Hi, everybody. It's Connie Bowman from Happy Healthy You, and I want to tell you about a special event that's coming for the first time to the Mid-Atlantic. It's Wanderlust, and it's the biggest yoga and music festival around. It's coming to Snowshoe Mountain, West Virginia, June 5th through 7th, and I'll be there covering it for Happy Healthy You, and I can't wait. I can't wait to try the yoga by top-tier yoga teachers. The music will be live performances by artists from folk reggae to hip-hop. There'll be great opportunities to explore and enjoy nature with explorative hikes, runs, and kayaking, outdoor meditations, photo treks, and lots more. There's also a lecture series with lots of great and interesting speakers, and the food and wine is supposed to be phenomenal. I can't wait to try it. The festival tour continues beyond Snowshoe to Stratton, Vermont, Aspen, Snowmass, Colorado, Squaw Valley, California, Whistler, British Columbia, and Tremblant, Quebec. So for more information, go to www.wanderlust.com. And for more about Snowshoe Reservations, visit www.snowshoemountain.com or call 877-441-4386. I hope to see you there. And now for this week's podcast. So one day at the old folks' home, an old man and woman are talking, and out of nowhere, the woman says, I can guess your age. The man doesn't believe her, but he tells her to go ahead and try. She says, pull down your pants. He doesn't quite understand why, but he does it anyway. So she checks out his booty for a few minutes, and then she says, you're 84 years old. That's amazing, the man says. How did you know? The old woman replies. You told me yesterday. (laughs) Oh my gosh, memory. We're all so afraid we're going to lose our memory as we get older. So today I've got a memory expert. Anthony Metivier is on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Anthony. This is a scary idea that we might lose our memory. (laughs) Yeah, it's the ultimate fear that everybody has. It certainly is. You are a 12-time best-selling author and memory specialist. You're the author of How to Learn. I know you know this, but I'll tell everybody else. You're the author of How to Learn and Memorize Math, Numbers, Equations, and Simple Arithmetic, and How to Learn and Memorize Spanish Vocabulary. My husband could have used that. He just he just got through his um his Rosetta Stone uh Spanish training and uh he's still struggling with it. You publish regularly on your website and podcast magneticmemorymethod.com and your memory training has reached hundreds of thousands of people and you've served as an educational consultant to administrative faculty at top schools around the world. Well, I guess you didn't know about yourself, so I had to tell you. <laughs> That's for Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anthony. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's talk about memory and maybe you can help us all alleviate some of those fears that down the road the memory may start to go. And I'm an actress, so memory is really important to me. And, you know, just the anxiety of not being able to remember lines is so frightening. But I think everybody can, can relate to this, whether you're a student or uh, in the business world, memory is so important. So can you just talk about how you became a memory expert and, and how, how you came to have an interest in this? Well, I was forced into it and found it by accident while I was 
basically avoiding life. So <laughs> what forced me into it is I was in a deep depression, clinical depression. I had to complete a PhD and go before councils of people like seven professors to grill me on all the stuff that I was supposed to be reading. And I just had a very, very difficult time concentrating in the first place. And when I could concentrate, I couldn't remember the stuff. So I was avoiding life and reality and learning magic tricks. And one of the holy grails of magic tricks is the memorized deck. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was going to be an impossibility, but 15 minutes later, I had memorized a deck of cards and I instantly saw that I can apply these techniques to memorizing anything. And the next thing you know, I was in my exams with total confidence and got my PhD. And it was just amazing and very curative and restoring to sure. have the, those abilities, no matter how rainy it is outside or how badly one feels when you have a memory technique system or method worked out for yourself, then you don't really rely on your mood or how you're feeling to perform. Sure, sure. Yeah. And when you talk about depression, that is one of the symptoms, the loss of memory and um, just the inability to retain simple, simple facts. Um, maybe we can talk about that a little bit since Happy Healthy You is about balance and mind, body and spirit. And I think it is so important for us to be healthy and and happy to have a, a healthy memory. So maybe we can talk about that first. Like as far as diet and exercise, do you have any tips to keep us optimally remembering everything? Yeah, well, I mean, when you talk about diet, one of the first things you can do to help your memory in a very big way is not eat anything that has been prepared for a microwave. Mm. That's just a general rule of thumb. And the, that has a lot to do with some of the chemicals that they put in those kinds of foods. And they are directly against your brain and they, they're known to contribute to things like Alzheimer's and dementia and this monosodium glutamate that's in so much of these foods and aspartame and so forth. They're just, they're real brain killers. Mm, so check, and, check those ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but again, that's a rule of thumb that anybody can benefit from is if, you, if it's prepared for the microwave, it's probably going to just help destroy your memory. Okay, and then exercise. We know that exercise is important and it just brings more blood flow to everything. So how does it affect our memory though? Well, one thing is that well, it's very interesting how it affects memory. I mean, there's more blood going through the brain, more oxygen going through the brain, and that's all fine and dandy. But one of the main ways that exercise helps the brain is that it helps reduce pain. And when you have less pain in your body and less inflammation in your body, then you can pay attention and concentrate more. And when we pay attention, we tend to remember more naturally. So that's just kind of a, a way that a lot of people don't think about it. But when you're when you have less pain, and you feel better, then you pay attention more and you're more in the moment. So you can remember more just naturally without any memory techniques. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a no brainer. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> how about sleep? I mean, so many of us are sleep deprived these days. And you know, how can you expect to remember anything when you're sleep deprived? Yeah, sleep is really important. And there's some pretty easy ways to get more sleep. And exercise and eating well are two of those. But mm -hmm. some meditation can help and there's something called Shavasana, which is 
Uh, a fancy word for corpse pose, which is just simply learning how to lay on your back and be really comfortable without moving. I'm that really good at that, Anthony. A great deal. I'm really so, good at Shavasana. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really good at that. How about stress reduction? Because stress is another thing that really just gets in the way of functioning optimally. But how do how would stress affect our memory? Well, it again, creates a kind of pain or anxiety and stress. And so you're really not focusing on the present moment or whatever you're studying in at the moment that you need it. So you're not going to be able to recall it later. And that's going to cause more stress and strain and, sure. and irritation. So some of the things you can do to combat stress, we've already been mentioning them, diet, sleep, right, and exercise. But you can also do things like spending more time with friends, with family, and doing relaxing activities with them that will involve exercise and so forth to get your mind off of the things that may be stressing you right. by engaging in these sort of community activities. It sounds kind of weird, but you can eliminate stress from your life by changing normal patterns. So if you normally walk down street Y to go to work, then you could try and go down street X. And even if you have to walk down the street, same street, if you see a mailbox, this sounds really weird, but you got to try it. You can walk in a circle around the mailbox just to break up the patterns in everyday life. And that gives you this sense of renewal. Because anytime that you can create a novel situation, then your brain will release something called norepinephrine. And this is part of reducing stress and actually creating memories. So pat pattern interruption is a huge thing that can release stress because it creates novelty and then new chemicals are floating through the brain that make you feel good. And when you feel good, you feel less stressed. Sure. Even brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, which is kind of makes a big mess when I try to do it. <laughs> but but is that a good example? Yeah, it's a, it's a great example of the sort of interrupting a pattern and you can eat with your other hand. I often have I'm not doing it at the moment, but I've practiced writing with both hands and become fairly ambidextrous, which uh, has had great, great results. And if you know things about like gratitude journaling and mm -hmm. writing down your goals, if you write them in your opposite hand, it seems to really get it more into your muscular system that affects your brain. And I'm sure that none of this has been scientifically tested, but it's just stuff that I fooled around with and found great benefit personally and anecdotally. So it's just things to, to play around with to sharpen your brain and get different parts of your brain working. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll try to write with my left hand because I'm definitely right-handed. And oh, it's it's not pretty at all. I really need more practice. Now, I read somewhere that researchers say that an active social life really contributes to a healthy brain in like a really profound way. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, like just how laughter and being social and and kind of building a happy life for yourself can also add to your memory abilities. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you have to process so much more and process things that are happening in real time in front of you that have so many layers of stimuli that are not on your TV set. So television can give you the impression that you're part of the world or you're in a situation, you're living vicariously through characters, but you don't have five people in front of you and your brain's not tracking their real time movement, their body language. And so you're not producing those kind of chemicals and you're not thinking on your feet and actually speaking to them and gauging their reactions and then processing their thoughts and 
you're not getting into the <laughs> into the troubling moments of life where you disagree with people and then you have to find your way towards agreement and just the things that really make for experience and and being integrated in society. Sure, so. sure. This may seem like a weird question, but maybe you can just talk about why it is important to have a good memory. I mean, it seems like kind of, again, a no-brainer, but you know, you say things like true success is only possible if you have a good memory and, um, you know, it can get you a better job, respect, admiration. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit about what, what are the benefits of having a strong, good memory? Well, at its most fundamental level, all we have is memory. That's, that's it. There's nothing else other than memory. So when you're listening to me talk, your brain is using your memory of words to help you understand what's being said. And when you go to the kitchen and you open the fridge and you eat something, this is all based on memory. You know where the fridge is because of memory, spatial memory. You know how to whisk eggs because of experiential memory. And it's all that, it's all that we have. And the more that you can use those natural tools that we come, come with as human beings, then you can use memory intelligently, such as preparing for a job interview not not just knowing in advance the kinds of questions that you might be asked and having pre-prepared answers, but you can know the names of every important person in the organization. You can know how old they are, when their birthdays are. You can, anything that you can research, you can memorize and be prepared. And that not only gives you the information as such, but it also gives you the confidence that you know who you are, you know what you're doing, and you're prepared. So yeah. you become a different kind of human being when you have advanced memory skills. That is so true. And I'm not only am I an actor, so I'm constantly having to memorize things. And I also just started needing uh, reading glasses. So it's even more important for me to be able to memorize things so I don't have to wear glasses all the time for auditions. But in addition to that, I'm doing this yoga teacher training, and I have to teach a class in two weeks, and I'm trying to memorize these flows. And oh my gosh, it's really hard. <laughs> So why don't you give us some tips for memorizing? What is your number one tip for preparing for situations like that? Well, the number one tip is always to rely on and rest upon what you already know oh. and make associations with what you already know. So that's one of the reasons why I focus so heavily on memory palaces and using memory palaces and building them in ways that really serve. And so there's a lot of detail in that, but a memory palace is simply a mental recreation or construction of a real location that you're familiar with. So everybody knows where their bed is and everybody knows where the bookshelf in the bedroom is and they know where the cabinets are in the kitchen and you can use that to leave information. And everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people know who Michael Jackson is and they know who George Bush is. So if you have Michael Jackson who you already know, and George Bush, who you already know, on the bed having a fist fight in order to help you remember something, then you're just using information that you already know in order to get back something that you don't know or that you want to know and then be able to recall later. You just zip to your bed. Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson's fist fighting with George Bush. Now I remember that this person I just met was his name Michael Bush, or whatever the case may be. Mm, yeah, remembering names is really hard for a lot of people, myself included. So, okay, uh, well, that's a good place to start. How about if we are a student studying for a test, and just sometimes the 
that rote memorization is so hard. Why is that? And what can we do to improve it? Well, there's a lot of reasons why rote memorization is so hard, one of which is that it's absolutely devoid of fun. Mm. The other is that rote memorization requires that you recognize the thing that you've seen before, which a lot of people don't. They may see it five, six, seven times and still not even recognize that they saw it the first time. So that's a problem with rote memorization. The thing to do is to experiment with memory techniques and see if that works better for you than rote memorization. And what makes it different is that instead of repeating information again and again in front of your eyes and closing your eyes and looking away and looking back to see if you've remembered what's right. on the index card, you use your creative your creative imagination to place images around your home. Or if you're a student, you can go you can ask for permission to go to the lecture hall or the examination room before that you give the exam and use that as a memory palace so that you're actually in the room where you created these images when you're doing your exam later. And you rest everything on what you already know. And then if you really want to use spaced repetition software or index cards, then what I often recommend that people do, and it works really well, is let's say it's foreign language vocabulary or legal terminology or whatever the case may be, you would have that word on one side of the index card. And instead of the definition on the other side, you would have an image that you've created and the place that you created it so that you're actually using your mind to recover it rather than having it fed to you as an answer. Wow, that's, so, that's a great idea. Yeah, I remember in, I don't know if it was Psychology 101 or whatever, but the key to remembering, for some reason I remember this, and I don't know why, <laughs> but is the key to remembering is actively attending to something. And that's what this is, actually. It's like creating a reason to remember it. Yeah, it's a, it's a higher level of attention. You, you have to pay attention to the material in a completely different way. You have to pay attention to it actively rather than passively. And you have to engage with it and shape it and massage it rather than sort of pound it against your eyes like a hammer. So let's talk about that card trick that you learned, memorizing the cards, because that sounds like the hardest thing in the world to me. How did you go about training yourself to, to memorize a deck of cards? Yeah, well, it, it it does sound like the hardest thing. And if I were to teach it to you right now, it would sound even harder. <laughs> but it's, it's actually one of the simplest things that you could ever do. And basically what you do is you you create a number sound system. And then you associate the number sound system to each card. And then you make a word for each card that can be seen as a visual image. And then you place those visual images in a memory palace. And then you place them in the order that they appear in the shuffled deck. And then you just walk through your mind palace or your memory palace and you see those images and they tell you what card you that, that are that's in that position. So if we were here and I had a deck memorized, I could say, give me a number between one and 52. You would say 26. I would zip to my mind and I'd say that's the eight of clubs. And I'd be right because I memorized it. And so to give you an example of what that means, the, the ace of spades, for example, is a toad. And the four of diamonds is a mare. So if I had the toad uh, spitting on the mare or whatever he would be doing, hitting the mare with a frying pan or something crazy, then it's very easy for me to remember that it's the ace of spades and four of diamonds and just go from there. And that ace of spades, the frog, is at the, the 
uh, what do you call that? <laughs> See, I can't even remember uh, the uh, thing that this is called, the headlight of a car, the headlight. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is one of the things with memory is when you start playing around with things, you sometimes get aphasia or can't pick out words but anyway the headlamp and then the uh so the frog would be at the headlamp and the mirror would be at the other headlamp and then something else would be on the trunk of the car and then on the windshield and each car can have 13 stations which represents a quarter of the deck and on the end of the fourth car you have the 52nd card and it's really quite simple actually (laughs) it's quite simple well it sounds pretty complicated but creative and a way to engage it sort of engages the brain i think and stimulates now what about other senses is there a way to use other senses if we're not as visual as as um you might be yes well that's a very interesting issue because you are as visual as i am everybody has an equal equality of visualness it's just that some people think about it differently than others. And you couldn't really have turned on the computer this morning if you weren't as visual as I am. So that's the first thing. It's just that you need to think about how you're visual and how you can tap into that. But you can certainly use touch. You can use sound. So if you're trying to see Godzilla smashing down on a car with a foot, you could imagine what that sounds like if you can't see it. But chances are that a lot of people feel that they need to close their eyes and see HD television in order to have that visual aspect. But you don't need that. All you need is to be able to think about what it would look like if it were that you were visual and able to see cartoons in your mind. And that's usually more than enough. And that's certainly what I use. I had to train myself over years to become more visual by drawing and so forth. But it really gave me no special advantage over anyone else. And I always default to just thinking about what it would look like rather than spending a whole lot of time actually painting in my mind. That's not any more or less effective than just thinking about what it would look like. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Is it possible to reverse memory loss with some of these techniques? You know, if someone is... is a, a little bit older and experiencing memory loss and say they're pretty healthy. Is it possible to reverse it? Well, reverse is a strong word, but <laughs> it is certainly possible to recover a lot. Okay. And there, I mean, I mean, when I say reverse is a strong word, what exactly would that mean? I mean, we always are struck with forgetfulness, no matter what we do. And I mean, we just saw a great example. I couldn't even remember the word. For <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, this, this is something that's just normal and natural, but what we can do is recover a lot of memory. And there's evidence, we have evidence all the time that people who are very, very advanced in, in their years can, can really get a lot of recovery, so to speak. There's 88-year-old people who are able to memorize dozens of poems that I've encountered. And there's also someone named Casper Bormans who you can check out on YouTube, see his TED Talk, where he's using memory palaces and training people with Alzheimer's to use them to be able to recall the names of their loved ones. And mm. so that's not total recovery, but it is it yeah. is something. And it, it, it's a good signature that we all can benefit regardless of what state we're in. Sure. There's also people who have been using memory palaces and memory techniques to help deal with some of the things that happen when you take chemotherapy. And there's people who have had brain trauma in car accidents and the like who have used memory techniques to regain some of the short-term memory loss that they've suffered as a result of these accidents. 
That's really promising. And especially the Alzheimer's patients being able to remember their loved ones, because that just gives everyone quality of life. And that's what we want. How long does it take, would you say? I know this is probably the question everybody wa- everybody asks you, but how long does it take to start seeing results if you start working on this? Well, at the bare minimum, five minutes, and master level, two to five days. Hmm. Well, that's and not if, much. <laughs> if anybody is interested, they should read a book called Moonwalking with Einstein, where Joshua Four. He was just doing a, a report, a news report on, or a journal, an article for journalism on the memory championships. And someone said to him, you know, you should try this. And he did. And he wound up becoming a, a champion winner of the competition. And it really didn't take him long at all. So, and, and there's all kinds of stories of people who get into this. And two months later, they're competing in a, in a national or international memory competition and they win. It, they beat out people who have been doing it for 10 years after two months of training. Gosh, so that is fascinating. I didn't even know there were competitions for this. Like who is the world champion memory person? Well, there's been a whole <laughs> series of them. I haven't tracked who the last year's winner was, but he, he's a guy who had won several times, I believe. And I have made a, a great friendship with Mark Channon, who won uh, some years ago. And it's just incredible. He really just got into it. And before he knew it, he was a grandmaster of memory. And he and I are doing some projects together. But it's just it's just crazy how fast that he was able to get to that level. And we're talking about being able to remember numbers that are thousands of digits long and being able to memorize up to 12 decks of cards and being able to recall all of this lines of poetry, facts and figures. It's just amazing what they can do. And sort of the difference between what they do and what I do is I teach people how to use all of that to memorize stuff that they want to keep and not forget after the competition is over. Because that's the kind of irony of these competitions is they memorize a bunch of stuff and just forget it. Yes, yes. Two two hours after they walk out of the arena. Well, that happens to me with scripts too. You know, I'll I'll work on a play and if you ask me a couple months later, I can't remember any of the lines. I just let it go. Wow, this is so fascinating. I was going to have you do something with me, but I, I feel like it'll be embarrassing. So <laughs> I don't think I will. I think I'll just go to your website and read your book and try to improve my memory and then maybe talk to you again. <laughs> How does that sound? Well, I, I'm up for a challenge now or later. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything we can do that won't be too hard? You Can you start me out like slowly? Okay, let's try this. Okay. Think of uh, the room you're in. Okay. And get four corners in your mind. Okay. And so take one of those corners and draw a straight line to the next corner that would be completely directly in front of it. In other words, make a square that you travel in a linear journey just in your mind. Okay, got it. Okay, so now in the first corner, I want you to see a zebra, huge zebra, big and bright, vibrant, black, white, just beaming everywhere, zebra-ness, right? Okay. And then I want you to see him shoving a huge yellow xylophone towards the next corner. So zebra with a huge yellow xylophone that he's throwing towards the next corner, right? Okay, got it. And uh, and it's yellow. Remember that. It's mm-hmm. a big yellow xylophone. 
And then there's a, do you know Breaking Bad? You know TV what? I, no, I can't say okay. I do. I It's on my list. I haven't started watching it, so. All right. Do you know Walter Matthau? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Walter Matthau is in that next corner. Okay. And so he's going to receive. So random. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. As long as you can see a big zebra okay. sh- shooting a yellow xylophone at Walter Matthau in the next corner. Okay. And then in the next, and he's screaming, and he throws that yellow xylophone at a weather vane in the next corner. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay, got and it. And then the weather vane turns into a huge tornado that runs to the next corner. Okay? Okay. So try and repeat that back to me. Okay, so there's a zebra in the first corner, and the zebra is throwing the yellow xylophone to Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau catches the xylophone, and he's kind of pissed off, so he throws it out a weather vane, which turns into a big tornado. That's all we got, right? That's all we got. I was ready to move on, but (laughs) wow. Okay. Okay. Okay, now, but there's there's an ending to this, a surprise ending to this. Oh, shoot. Okay. If you take all those words which were zebra, well, to tell me, zebra and then what? Zebra, xylophone. What was between zi- zebra and xylophone? Oh, yellow, zyres, xylophone. Yeah. So zebra, yellow, xylophone, then what? Walter Matthau. Then? Um, weather vane. Okay, and uh, then what was the next? Tornado. Okay, so weather vane, let's just call it a vane, right? So okay. You got zebra, yellow, Xylophone, Walter Matthau, or Walter, Vane, and Tornado. Okay. Give me the give me the first letter of each of those words. Z, Y. What was the third one? Wait a minute. Walter Matthau. Z, zebra, yellow, W, Z, Y, W, V, T. Okay, good. You forgot the yellow? Oh, yellow. Right. Sorry. Z, Y, W, V, T. All right. Yeah. Now X xylophone is out of the picture. But oh, right. Yeah. You now have you now have the foundation for saying the alphabet backwards. Oh my gosh! I always wondered how people did that. Right, and so you know, Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H D F E D C B A, and all you need to do is continue that journey into your kitchen, into your garage, or whatever, and practice it. And four minutes later you'll probably be able to do the whole thing with a little bit of practice. Maybe let's say 10, 15 minutes if that's what it takes. Okay. And that's a very, very good example of how that you can memorize anything. Because if you can do that, you you can apply that to anything. So the tips are you find a place that you're familiar with, correct? Yep. And then create images around that and... Well, the images are kind of crazy and filled with action. So one of the reasons why you were able to remember the basics of that story is that it involved the zebra throwing something. And then Walter Matthau is throwing it and then it's becoming a tornado. You know, the weather vane was becoming a tornado and then you would just keep going. So after T is U, V and, uh, or sorry, I'm getting. I have to actually do it from the beginning to get it. I know. You know, you just start. You have a senior who, you know, is going to the post office box, and you keep going through all of these things, and you get to the beginning of the alphabet because you have these images. But like we were talking about, you rest everything on what you already know. So you're resting the images 
on to a location. And the more you know things, like I said, I was going to say Walter White from Breaking Bad, if you knew that, but you don't. So we went for something you do know, which is Walter Matthau. The more you link it to things that you know, the easier it's going to come back to you. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. A zebra is one thing, but if you know Zach Wild or someone named Zach, then that's going to be even more powerful than a zebra. So So link it to what you already know. Okay. Okay. And place it where you already are. And place it where you already are familiar. Okay. I love this idea. Oh my gosh. And then how would I apply that to memorizing a script? Before you go, I just have to know that. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is where you get a super good advantage because if you're, if you have a scene blocked out for yourself, right? Right. And you know where you're going to move and you have to react to a character or you're giving a speech and you know where you're going to move, then you can create these images where you have to look next, where you have to move next, and that will help you trigger those lines. Mm. And on top of that, you'll know you can place images in your imagination on those places that will remind you of your motivation. They'll remind you of how you want to hold your body. Do you want to lead with your head? Do you want to lead with your shoulders? Do you want to lead with your pelvis, whatever Chekhovian uh, right. <laughs> position that you're right. going to take? And uh, you can you can have it all. You can eat your script and... Uh, well, you can have your script and eat it too. <laughs> so the more we engage our, our imagination and and put it into our body, the better. That's why it's always easier to remember lines after you've done the blocking of a scene. So, oh, thank you so much. This is so great. For more information about your work and your books and everything, where can we find it? Everything you need, including a four free video series that goes into this in much greater detail with visuals so you can see images of memory palaces that have been created by myself and my students, just go to www.magneticmemorymethod.com and you can register for that free training there. Very cool. Very cool. I want to see other people's memory palaces. <laughs> it's like like looking into their unconscious mind. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. Yeah, as a last <laughs> tip, if you, if you have any problem thinking of your own place, and even if you don't have a problem, just draw a simple floor plan and figure out a path where you won't cross your own path or confuse yourself and that you kind of move outside rather than inside so that you don't go into any dead ends. And sure. that'll help a great deal. Sure. Wow. Well, this is really interesting. I, I am uh, definitely going to partake of your expertise <laughs> just so I can hold on to what memory I have here. And um, and maybe I'll start by memorizing the, the <laughs> alphabet backwards. I don't know. I should. I guess it's a cool party stunt. (laughs) It is a cool party stunt, but the card one is even better. So thank you so much, Anthony. It's been such a delight talking to you and and tapping your amazing brain. So I hope you'll come back and and give us some more information and maybe I can try a little bit of a harder trick. (laughs) Okay, well I look forward to that. All right, thank you so much. Cool, thank you.